some people are embracing this technology like yourself, like me, like a number of the folks in the comment section. Why do you think it's such a polarizing topic? Why is either someone madly in love with the thought of generative AI or not, and they refuse to use it? Welcome, 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 everyone. And it is time for Talent Experience Live, covering everything that you need to know in talent acquisition, recruiting, talent management, and of course, everyone's favorite, human resources. I am your host, Devin Foster, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, uh, a frequent flyer here on the Talent Experience Live show, uh, Cliff, who is VP of Strategy at Phenom. And he's going to talk about the specific benefits of ChatGPT and other generative AIs. As we all know, this has taken over the news cycle. Uh, I saw an article from Sherm this week that talked about it. This morning, I saw an article from Fortune uh, where CHRO shared his concerns a little bit around it. And of course, it has been on featured on HBO with John Oliver last week tonight and every single local news station ever everywhere has done their opening monologue provided by some generative uh, AI but without any further hesitation you came here to learn more and that is what we are going to do so I am going to bring on my guest Cliff welcome to the program Cliff the comments are pouring in already people want to talk about this how, how are you doing it's a hot topic right it is it is how, how are you today I'm doing great, Devin. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm happy to have you on. I have to ask you, nobody gets in the hot seat, as I like to call it, without getting through the icebreaker question first. So right. have you used ChatGPT or any other generative AI today? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually using it every day. Um, and this morning, I'm doing an analyzation on writing styles for, I'm, I'm doing a, a bit of a thesis for a client on writing styles for job descriptions. Um, based on executive profiles. So it's uh, it's a sort of an interesting concept. We'll probably talk a little bit about these types of use cases today, but yes, yes, I have. Yeah. No, that's I, I used it as well this morning, uh, trying to craft up some social posts. Sometimes before the coffee kicks in, I, I need a little bit of motivation, a little bit of uh, a creativity juices. And it, it started to be where I go to first. Now, Cliff, this is something people are very passionate about. I mentioned the article from Fortune earlier. Um, some people are embracing this technology like yourself, like me, like a number of the folks in the comment section. Why do you think it's such a polarizing topic? Why is either someone madly in love with the thought of generative AI or not? And they refuse to use it. Well, I think, you know, the, the, the ramp up of generative AI since, uh, you know, about November when OpenAI open released it um, to the public it really uh, was very, very quick. I mean, they got to a million users in about five days, which is just unheard of. Um, but I think the reason is when people see a tool that they think could work really well, it's easy to use, you don't need an instruction booklet, and they can personalize where it fits into their workflow, I think you've got a winning combination there, right? And the fact that it's free doesn't hurt, yeah. right? I think even if it was paid, you know, at a low price, I think they have a subscription now. You can do like $20 a month to get, you know, access to premium and new features quicker. But the reality is that, you know, that the fact that it's free and, it, and it's perceived just to be so easy to use and give goods, gives good results um, makes it a really winning combination. Yeah. I mean, a, a million users in, in what did you say, five, five days? Five was, days. That, was that accurate? That's a ton. And there's confusion around that, right? When you have that many people on something that, I think is relatively new, at least relatively new to this level of, you know, being talked about. 
there's confusion. And the first thing that I want to ask you about, Cliff, is AGI versus GAI. They're two separate things here. What specifically is ChatGPT with OpenAI, um, and how are they different? Yeah, so so AGI is artificial general intelligence, right? Um, and that really is, and, and there's very little of that in in the world today. That is essentially artificial intelligence that has cognitive abilities that would would mirror a human being or an animal, so to speak. So you give it a problem without a solution, and it can find one. Right. So we don't really have that. But because the word general or generative is in this sort of new generative AI, and that's the, the, the key is that that generative is in front of the AI. So it is generating content using artificial intelligence. And so don't don't mistake those two things. We're nowhere near having the level of AGI, artificial generalized intelligence. Um, we will in probably the next 10 years as quantum computing, you know, kicks up. But but uh, generative AI is what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, no, and and that helps because I think what we've talked about, you know, in, internally at Phenom is that uh, this probably won't solve all of your problems, right? It, it is not going to do your job, even though a lot of people think their job could be outsourced by this generative AI. So I, I want to ask you first and for, foremost, what industries do you think, or industries or positions, does this help? and or hurt um, by kind of easing some of those mundane tasks that we've talked about. Yeah, I, 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 I can't think, of, I'm laughing because I can't think of a vertical where it can't be applied. Um, and <laughs> I, I, but what I do, I think it has to be contextualized, right? I think you look at a tool like this and the first thing that, that our audience should know is the accuracy of, of generative AI is in general, about 50 to 70%, right? Um, and so you have to be careful with the results that that it's not necessarily the whole truth, it's part of a truth. Um, because the, the thing with generative AI and chat GPT in general is it's only using a set of data. Now, this may come to a surprise to some people, but it's actually not connected to the internet. Uh, you can find it on the internet, uh, and it's a tool that exists there as a, a service to be provided. But in terms of connecting to all the data available in the world on the internet, it is not. It is using a subset of data from mid-2021 through mid-2022. It's an, it's an isolated, and that's why the, 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 um, the GPT part is generative pre-trained -tra pre transformer. That pre-trained piece is really the key we're talking about here. It, what is it pre-trained on? A, a basically about a year's worth of, of data that, that sits in the world. And, and it's not all data. It was a subset of even that data. Um, like if you ask it who you are as a person, who's Devin Foster, who's Cliff or Kevin, um, it's not going to know who we are, right? It might know political figures, people that are in the news and things like that. Uh, but it's not going to know every living being on the planet at this point. Um, so the results that you're getting, just know that it's based on certainly a large language model, what we call an LLM, large language model, which aren't, that's not uncommon. We've been using large language models at Phenom for 12 years. And, and so that's not new. What's new is that it has learned the writing styles to a degree of precision and accuracy that it can actually be used in the everyday space, right? Whether it's work or, or um, personal. So 
So be careful of accuracy, number one, um, and know how to use the tool. Um, a lot of people that are using the tool aren't using, use, aren't using it in a way that optimizes its performance. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Yeah, no, I, I mean, when, when we talked about it a, a bit, um, there's this great thought, this, this big idea that this just creates content for folks, that they can copy and paste it wherever they please. If you can create the right search for it, um, you'll kind of unlock the keys to your job. And I want to go against that a little bit, Cliff, because I think it is a great source for getting ideas, as I alluded to, you know, before my caffeine kicks in in the morning from from coffee. Um, but folks, correct me if I'm wrong here, they shouldn't just put in, write me a job description for customer service rep, and then copy and paste that in there. I think there's there's things that they can take from it, but it does need that level of kind of sifting through and making sure that it fits your organization, that position itself. Is that accurate? Yeah, it's accurate. Um, and let me give you the phrase, you know, something that we were talking about last week and, and I've been using quite often. Um, think of it as, you know, we're, we're moving from uh, content creation to content curation. So you, you have to really shift your mindset um, that you're going to curate the response, right? And it might take several different prompts, you know, to get to the right place. It was cool the first day that that they released it where you, you're going and you're saying, write me. I, I went in and said, write me a song about X and, you know, write me a poem, give me a haiku. And um, then I did start doing job descriptions and other things. And it was fun. Um, all of the results were, were not me or were, were it be, be able to use in a, my personal or professional life. Um, but it was fun to see what the initial response was. And, and so let, let me do this. And, and I'll say this slow so people can write it down. We can take some notes on it. These are key phrases or, or types of phrasing that you would use with chat GPT um, or generative AI in general, right? It really needs to be prompted. So I'm going to give you six prompts. The first two are kind of one and the same, but six total prompts to use in your query uh, to chat GPT. The first two are related. It's going to be, um, act as if or act like. Um, and that this one in particular is really powerful because I can say, act as if I am a hiring manager in a distribution center. I have 20 years of experience um, in logistics and write me interview questions for a, uh, a frontline distribution center employee that's going to maybe drive a forklift or be a picker, right? Something like that. And now I've given ChatGPT some, some significant context, right? Um, I can take it a step further, and this, is the, this would be the next phrase. Um, analyze, dot, 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 right? Analyze something. Analyze my job description and put a job description there for a forklift driver in a distribution center and tell me, is it inclusive? Do I have the right keywords? Am I, and you can literally ask it, am I missing anything, Right. And it will analyze it. And then you could say, based on your results, rewrite the job description. And it'll do that. So, so the analyze part of it is really important. I did it. I had it analyze. I wrote a, I had an emergency landing. and I'm a private pilot. I, I had an emergency landing in my plane last year. And I wrote a story about it. And I said, analyze um, this story that I wrote for my writing style. Give me my key themes and tell me about my writing style. And it did. And then I said, based on that, 
write me a hundred word social media post about that story in my voice, right? So I had it. And, and so then I was telling to act as if you're me, this, the writer that I just helped it learn about. And it did. And it wrote it in my voice. And it would be, you'd be hard pressed to tell if it was me or not. So the analyze tool is really important. You can take anything. I would suggest, especially if you're writing social media, if you're writing stories, anything for marketing, any kind of email communication, social, whatever it might be, give it five or 10 things that you've already written. And in, dare I say, if you're a, a student and you really want to use it to your advantage, give it stuff you've already written. Put your essays, put your homework in there and say, analyze my writing style and remember it. Now write me a 500 word essay on X, right? Um, in my style, you'll be, you'll be much uh, more aligned with that result. So analyze is one. Um, the rest are pretty simple. Provide X, like provide um, an analytical breakdown of, of X and Y. Um, based on X, give me Y. So again, you're feeding it some data um, and, and giving it a specific task. And the last one is, is using you know, using this as an example or using this model or using this engineering code, like, you know, if you're writing Python or JavaScript or something, you know, using this model, write me something based on that or give me a result or optimize, you know, based on this particular thing that I'm already using. So yeah. act as if, act like, analyze, provide based on and using are all key phrases with ChatGPT that will give it very, very specific direction. And you can do, you could literally do that all in one phrase too. You could use all six of those or five of them because the first two are similar in the same paragraph and have it return the result. You know, I, I, the longest result that I've waited for at this point is about 45 seconds when I was having it write something fairly detailed. Um, but those key phrases are really key to getting the most out of ChatGPT. No, that's that's interesting. And and the one thing that I, I want to to talk about, um, because I know it's going to be a question in the comment section soon, is you mentioned the college student example of you know providing some writing samples. And I think that the first thing that it, people think of and, and people are hesitant about, specifically in the, the recruitment and talent acquisition space, is are people going to begin to forge their background or forge their their cover letters um, where you uh, really want a job that is a senior level graphic designer. Uh, so you craft a resume around that or something. Do you think that this is going to be used, uh, taken advantage of in, in that sense? And and how can folks maybe protect themselves from that if, if there is a way? Yeah. I, I think in the short term, there is a way. I think in the long term, I think you're going to be really hard pressed uh, to figure out if AI is being used. And the example I give you today is, would you know if Grammarly was helping someone fix their grammatical errors or their writing, the, the particular writing style? That isn't quite generative AI, but it's very, very close in terms of its logic. Um, it's, still, it's still a large language model. It's making recommendations, but you would never know it, you know, and no, and no one ever think to ask. Um, so I, I still think using this tool um, to, to help you curate your ideas, you still have to have ideas. You still have to know how to use the tool. There's an example yeah. of this um, in the art in the art world. So OpenAI has another tool called Dolly, 
that helps create graphics. I think you and I both use Dolly on a, on a regular basis um, or Mid Journey, which is a, is a similar one. But Dolly in particular, there was an art contest last year and the artist that won the digital version used, used Dolly um, to, to create this. And if you don't, just look it up. Just look up award-winning Dolly, D-A-L-L-E, um, award-winning Dolly uh, uh, painting or art. Uh, and you'll see it's, a, it's a, just this ridiculously crazy um, rendering of this person's vision. And, the, and the, the gentleman who created it is not an artist. He was an engineer. And so my wife is a, a fine oil painter. This is her work behind me, some of it. Um, and we, I had this discussion with her. You know, so what is, what is art and who is an artist? And the, the, the answer is easy. Art is anything that you create. And, the, and an artist is anyone who creates it. <laughs> it. No one talks about an artist having to be like my wife went to, you know, did, you know, uh, a dozen years of training to, to learn brush styles and techniques and really craft her technique that, that is her style. But who's to say that we can't get to those things faster with, with really good tools? I do think that people will try to game the system. Once ChatGPT, so there's a 4.0 version coming out. They, they just released APIs um, today, actually, uh, for, for ChatGPT. Um, they have a Foundry Studio that you can use an isolated instance of, of, of their OpenAI platform, which includes ChatGPT. So a lot of these tools are, I mean, we're going to see, this will be the fastest adoption of technology in the history of technology. I, I predicted this weeks ago, um, you know, months ago, and saying that this will be adopted faster than anything else. And, and that's going to hold true. I do think there is an ethical question that you're raising, which is, should I disclose that I'm using the tool, right? Or, yeah. or can I detect that someone used the tool? I think detection is going to be difficult in the, in the it is, it's not difficult right now. It will be in the future. Um, but I think it's really an ethical question on the, on the person. Should you disclose that you're using the tools? Like what's wrong with saying I use Photoshop to, to retouch my photographs? Um, you know, or if I'm using um, you know, logic to make music and it's using sort of auto-tune, which by the way is in every song in the world, everyone's using auto-tune. Um, I have a music background, been in the studio, been a producer on a lot of music. Um, everyone uses auto-tune. Um, so it's ubiquitous, right? I, I think it comes down to, you know, do you disclose it? Is is it necessary to disclose how much of what you've created was generated by the tool versus your vision? At the end of the day, I think it plays itself out in the work product itself. And mm -hmm. like many tools, like today, you, I think it's very easy to spot somebody who has retouched a photo online, especially with social media, like clearly you know, that that photo has been retouched and we're okay with it, right? Yeah. Because they probably did a good job with the tool. It looks good. It's, it's pleasing to the eye, whatever it is that they've created and we move on. It's only yeah. when we don't disclose it and we don't know it's ubiquity um, that you sort of question. That's going to be really hard to not, um, to, to not question because of the ubiquity of this already. It's already being asked. So just disclose it. I was interviewed, I think it was USA Today or something. I was interviewed about cover letters. You know, um, would you allow a candidate or would you want to know if a candidate was using ChatGPT to create their cover letter? I, my response to it was, number one, who is using cover letters anymore? But number two <laughs> is I would ask them to use ChatGPT to create their cover letter and see how far they can take the tool 
to where it sounds like they actually wrote it. It's, it's it, you know, that they're using this innovative technology in a really smart way because it doesn't matter what role you're in. You can be a frontline worker through an executive of a company or own your own business or be an artist or doing gig work. You're using technology. I want to know that you're using it well, right? And so I would encourage it. I would disclose it right away. And, and, and I would choose the person in part based on how, how they use the tool because I've disclosed it. So I'm not trying to catch people. I mean, I'm already encouraged, like use it. I want to see how well you can use it because that's important to me. Well, it, it, based on what you're saying, it's the future, right? It's not, it's not going away because people are going to continue to use it. And I, I think you raise an, an excellent point there where if it's not disclosed, and I think this ties into the, the main conversation of this technology can make everyone faster at their job. It can make you more efficient with what you're doing. So I, coming from my background as a recruiter, I remember recruiting for very technical roles, right? Cliff, I can't tell you the difference between Python or another you know, sort of coding technology. And going through an interview, that's a challenge as a recruiter to do that because you seem uninformed. But if you truly are concerned with an individual who may not, you believe, live up to those questions, you can, as you shared earlier, put into to one of these you know, generative AI tools, please write me as a hiring manager with five years of experience questions for this type of positions or questions around Java, right? Not only are you going to come off as more informed as a recruiter, you may get the answer to your question right there because you are meeting with face-to-face -face and this technology allows you to do that. Am I way off there or, or does that sound like a no, good use? No, I, I think tool? this is such a good point. By the way, I could, I could turn it around on, if I was being interviewed by a recruiter or a hiring manager. I could say, these are really great interview questions. Did you use generative AI to analyze my profile and ask me such great questions? And I would be okay if they did because- that's better than them making a bunch of shit up, right? <laughs> um, I, I would, I would really, I would love generative AI to be used. In, there's, so let's talk about some use cases, right? You mentioned one, which I think is is a great one. We're actually, you know, for on the Phenom platform, we're building generative AI into the platform. We're going to be releasing some of that at our big conference, I am Phenom, at the at the end of March. Um, and so you know, one of the areas that we look at is generate interview questions based on the candidate's profile, the job, and maybe some of their other experience. Like you can feed in, like if they've got some publicly available information, feed it into, into generative AI and it, and it spits out maybe 10 really deep questions that allow me as the candidate to get very personal and show my value to the organization versus just, do you know Python? Do you know Java? Like, yes, yes, yes. I know all those things. Been doing it for 10 years. Like, I would much rather have those highly personalized questions. So this is the chat GP. This is analyze, you know, Cliff's profile and write 10 interview questions based on his profile. Like, who wouldn't want that? You, there's no more guesswork, right? Then used based on my interview responses, right? Analyze Cliff's responses to these questions. And, and create the themes or the important points, you know, that, that can be highlighted from that conversation. So we're doing two things. Just this is one use case. And, I, and you know, dare I say, and my product team probably kill me for this, but, you know, th these are things that we're going to release, right? We're, we're putting, we're building this into the platform because we want 
recruiters and hiring managers and candidates and employees that might be looking for their next role, we want them to talk about what's important to them, right? Um, and and f- helping you focus that conversation in a way that's going to bring the most out. So what we say is it opens the space, right? You know, to, for a deeply personal conversation, um, you know, for that. So if you take those, those, um, the interview questions, the analyzation of the interview, you can go all the way back to what we talked about earlier, like act as if I am, you know, a, uh, a 10 year engineer of Python and write a job description for, I need to hire somebody with two years of Python experience. Right. And give me the keywords like, you know how hard it is for hiring managers to write a concise job description that's clear. And by the way, job descriptions, this is a fact. If they're over 750 words, you need to go back and rewrite it. Right. Um, Because search engines really hate anything over that. Um, So you have that's not a lot of words to write a job description. So you can even tell ChatGPT or generative AI to do it in 750 words with all the right keywords, with all the core requirements, you know, to attract the right individual, you know, into that role. So there's so much that you can do to fine tune. And I think I saw a note and I apologize um, on, on who wrote it. I saw it pop on the screen there. It really is about ideation, right? It's about helping you curate your idea, you know, create the initial bulk work, which is fine. Um, but then, then curate it along to a point that it's really going to be helpful to you. Uh, and, and that to me is, is the, is the most important thing um, is that, is that we're using that tool in the right way that that's giving good results. Yeah. I, I, to your point, Cliff, I think this is, is, is just the next evolution of technology. If you were to ask someone, uh, you know, a college student in the, the early nineties, eighties, whatever it may be, uh, before the internet was readily available to write a paper on something, they would go to the library. They would find, you know, studies, all of these different things. And that's where they consume their information. Now with the internet, Folks hop onto Google, they hop onto Bing, whatever it may be to source, you know, these, these credible things, they consume it and then write their paper. This is just a, what we're describing is just a new way to get information faster, right? And continue to ask those iterative questions to get exactly what you're looking for. So even though you may not have written it in complete sentences, you got it to the point where it is and very few people could probably do the same thing. Cliff, your, you know, chat GPT little bar on the side, I can guarantee you it looks vastly different than mine. When I asked, you know, can you tell me about Devin Foster and who his parents are? It came back. Sorry, we, we can't do that. Um, it sounds like you, you did a similar experiment with yourself. I don't know what that says about us, but neither here nor there. Um, it's getting to those solutions, right? It, and, and maybe the process at some point will be similar to a math equation where it's show your work on how you got here, on how you created this program code or how you wrote this paper so that we can understand and iterate on that in the future process. And I think your point is, this is just where it's going. People are going to be hesitant, just like I'm sure folks were hesitant of automatic cars and self-driving cars and things like that. It's not going to be perfect. It isn't perfect right now, as we've seen in news articles. we can't stop it right at the end of the day. Am I way off there? Do you think there's going to be a renaissance or a revolution against AI? Cause I certainly well, don't see that happening. I think there's a lot of laws. We talk about the, the New York local law 144, where there's laws in California and in, in Nevada. Um, 
you know, there's the, the EU AI law that talks about adverse impact. They're all, they all have similar focuses. And I think these are important questions, right? Um, yeah. The first thing that any company that, that creates artificial intelligence needs to think about, well, there, there are a few. The first is, is it ethical, right? And when we say ethical, do we mean we're, we're talking about the ethical use of it, um, that it's not creating a bias in the organization. Generative AI is, is going to be no different. I saw some questions in there about, you know, you know, from a talent perspective, you know, what does this mean? Um, so I don't think it's any different. We first have to answer the ethical question, which, which is also why organizations should be willing to bring, at least from an, an experimental innovation perspective, bring these tools into their organization, say, let's talk about this. We know you're using them, right? Because we talked about that, how yeah. consumers are bringing what they do into work. So ChatGPT is, is off the rails with usership at this point. Um, so there's millions upon millions of people using it. Um, and they're already starting to put it into the work product. Just be open about it, right? I think that's probably the most important thing. So the ethical question is create the environment where ethics can be discussed, right? Create the technology where ethics are the, the paramount principle that, that are, are being followed. The second is, um, is explainability, right? Explain to individuals why you're using this technology, how it's being used, you know, in whatever experience that you're building, uh, whether it's a work experience, an interview, it could be recruiting in, in, the, in the case of the domain that we live in. Um, is, is it assessing me? Right? How is it doing that? What data is it using to do that? So that explainability is paramount to these technologies being used in ethical ways. The last yeah. two I think are really important, which is defensibility, um, because people will say that I'm being you know, discriminated against because of AI, um, and they may or may not have a case. We're not here to argue that piece of it. But if you've done it ethically and you've explained it the right way and you've been upfront about it, um, you, you likely can be more defensible. That, that doesn't mean to say that there couldn't be instances, right? It's technology and, you know, th that can happen. But, um, but the defensibility part is something that's really important. And the last one goes down to the user, which is configurability. Can I configure this technology to, in a way where I can use it and be productive um, and, and still be producing something that is valued in my personal life or in my work life. Uh, because that's really what we want to do. We're not, these technologies are not meant to replace people. I don't know. And, and, and you know, we're an AI company. I've been in artificial intelligence for 30 years. I've never sat in a room where, where the, all the engineers said, I can't wait to replace all these people in these roles with this technology. Nobody's having that conversation, right? Innovation without, without thinking about the human being in that equation is at, according to, and I agree with him, according to Mahi, who's our CEO, is just stupidity, right? So we want to innovate in really smart ways that include the, what we call the human in the loop, right? Making sure that, that we are benefiting humanity in a way that allows us to progress because these tools aren't going away, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so that's what we really need to think about uh, when we're doing it. So, so ethical, um, explainable, defensible, and configurable. When those things are all in harmony, you've got something that really, really works and something that's very special. And, and hopefully this is, you know, when we release a bunch of this stuff at I Am Phenom uh, in, at the end of this month, uh, we will hit all four of those, those um, values. Yeah, no, I, I, I think we will, Cliff. And I, 
I loved the sentiment that you just shared there where no one wants AI to replace people. We need the humans in the loop. And we've had conversations uh, specifically around AI about ATMs and, and Mac machines in, in the Philadelphia area where it is simply a way to access your money when the bank may be closed, right? And what does that do for the banking industry? It, it reskills their, their bank tellers, right? When you have to have an intimate conversation so that when you go to the bank, there aren't there isn't a line out the door of people trying to get access to their money so that you can sit down with somebody and talk about a mortgage or you know a loan or whatever that may be because those are conversations that you have to have. And I, I think of this in a, a recruiting and human resources angle where you know folks want answers to, to questions. They may be interacting with a chatbot. And if you're able to have that conversation based on a data set of previous conversations within your organization, that's where the, the advantage can really come from, right? Where it's specific interview questions that are posed so that you can get to the answers you're looking for when a recruiter may not be available, whether it's that overnight shift. I know we had a conversation uh, on this show last week or a few weeks ago with Circle K specifically around the availability of a chatbot when someone may have reached their breaking point on an overnight shift. That applies to nursing. That applies to a ton of different areas. And we already see it in, in customer service, right? If I call whatever technology company it may be, I'm going to be prompted with a, a robot, right? A voice messaging system on the end where if you want to speak to a human, you either spam zero a hundred times or say, speak to a human. But 90% of your answers can probably be resolved if you just go through the, the correct path, the, the choose your own adventure there. This is just making it more conversational and, and, and more easier. So I'm excited for it in, in the recruitment industry. Um, Cliff, yeah. Is there anything else? Oh, yeah, you go. Yeah, I just I'll add one point. I have, I have a colleague here at Phenom, you know, her name's Jennifer Roberts, and she works with um, with our sales development team. And she's really been sort of this power user here at Phenom. Uh, and so I kind of interviewed her and she helped me put some stuff together for a, a presentation to a, a, a really great client of ours um, and just asked for some examples. One of the things that that Jennifer wrote that I really loved was understanding pain points, like analyzing, again, this analyze or using X, like give me the pain points of something. And, and, and you know how many hours individuals might spend trying to research and find the pain points of a, of a client, of a role, you know, of a, of a, of a division of a company, um, you know, a position in a market, whatever it might be. This is a really smart use of the technology because you're asking it to analyze this large corpus of data. You're giving it examples and it can easily find things in seconds that you would generally find, but it would take you hours. Now, instead of spending all those hours researching, now you're finding those pain points. Now you know the pain points. At least you have some idea. You can validate them. By the way, always validate your results with, with any generative AI. But you can validate them. It changes the nature of the conversation from tell me what your pain points are to here's what I know. I've done some homework. I've also got some solutions here for you. Let's talk about am I on point? Uh, you know, Is this accurate? Um, it changes the nature of the conversation. And I thought... What a smart way to use generative AI um, for something deeper than writing interview questions or something like that. So, so the understanding pain points, I thought, was a brilliant use um, and such a good example that we're talking about. 
Yeah, no, that that makes it a ton of sense. I think it it does take humans hours. I there was a conversation with with uh, an analyst in the industry, Ben Eubanks. It, at this point, it might have been a year ago, and we were talking far before OpenAI, Chat GPT, or generative AI around some of those analyzing data roles, right? And the ability to have technology do it faster, uh, sometimes more accurate, sometimes uh, you know more concise. It gives you the opportunity to then focus on resolving those those problems as opposed to focusing on on finding them in the first place. Cliff, before we go, I know I, I could talk to you about this for hours and I want to, <laughs> quite frankly. I don't say that about all of our guests. Um, is there anything that we may have missed? Any final thoughts that you want to share? I know we want folks to show, um, to come to IM Phenom to learn more about how we are going to advance this conversation in our technology, but anything that I may have missed um, or that you wanted to share additionally? I think, you know, we're hitting it at a high level. The, the, the point that I would make is welcome these technologies. Uh, I would, in the beginning, I would kind of put them, put some, you know, uh, guardrails around them, but be open about that. Um, talk to your teams about how they might use it, where it can be injected, you know, in their work product. Um, monitor that, right? Uh, certainly work with legal and compliance to be sure that you're doing things in an ethical way. Um, that is obviously the most important thing. And explain to people what you're doing uh, and be and just be open about it. I think when you do that, um, you, you know, you, again, you're creating space for a different conversation, probably a more focused, more important conversation than, you know, I know that the New York uh, City School Board banned ChatGPT, which I think is, is just a terrible mistake. They said it doesn't promote critical thinking, um, which is just honestly, that might be one of the dumbest things I've heard some of the smartest people ever say, because they are very smart people there. Um, mm -hmm. And and I think it just comes down to you're you're thinking of this in a negative way. Don't think think of it as a positive tool, but put some put some framework around it until we re, we really learn where it fits. Yeah, and I, I mean to to your point. When you have that open conversation with your team, ask ask them if they've already started using it, right? It's a safe space. We ran the poll on, on LinkedIn, Cliff. Almost half of the folks that, that answered already are. So you'd be surprised at, at what elements of you know, your team's roles and, and what you're producing are already you know, kind of being alleviated from, from this technology. And then you can have, to your point, a constructive conversation around how can we use this for the right reasons, right? As opposed to some of those negative ones uh, that, that we talked about a little bit earlier. This has been awesome. Um, Cliff, I, I can't, I, I want to have you on in a, in a couple of weeks, uh, maybe after I am Phenom, so we can talk about what we've unveiled uh, and how, how we see the roadmap down the line, if that works for you. It does. Yeah, I would love to. We're, we're going to be doing some really cool and crazy things uh, at I am Phenom and the generative AI piece is going to be a big part of it. And uh, we're really excited about it. So would love to to return and, and talk about how our audience, our clients uh, uh, might react to, to what we're doing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I will uh, book time on your calendar. In the meantime, I'll let you get back to, to your busy schedule uh, and you know we'll, we'll catch up soon. Thank you so much for joining today. Thank you, Devin. Talent Experience Live, of course, is proudly brought to you by the good folks here at Phenom, whose purpose is, of course, to help a billion people find the right job. That is not a typo. That is what motivates us all to come to work today, to put on shows like this, to continue to create great content, and hopefully help you and your organization 
find help some folks find the right job as well. How do we do this? I thought you would never ask. Of course, we do it through our intelligent talent experience platform, uh, which helps candidates find the right fit faster. Employees evolve in their current roles and beyond. Recruiters achieve some next level productivity. We might get into some of that today, uh, as well as managers build better teams with data and analytics. And of course, all of this is powered by super slick artificial intelligence and machine learning, which is what we are talking about today. We're talking about generative AI and chat GPT. Um, but our AI has been around for quite a while. Uh, and if you are interested about learning more, head on over to phenom.com if you are interested. While you're there, you may notice at the top of the website, you will see a banner. Don't ignore it. Don't close out of it. That banner, of course, is for our annual Talent Experience Conference, which happens March 28th through the 30th 